Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. I am Spencer Dirks, your host, alongside my co-host and my friend, Dr. Bob Leonard. Dr. Bob, it's good to see you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Approaching Memorial Day weekend, the weather is fantastic. The legislative session is in the books. If you do want to hear our recap on the legislative session, you can go back to our previous episode, episode eight, which dropped last Wednesday. We'll get to a little bit about what may be next on the Republicans' agenda during this show. We'll also be talking about Hampton Dumont was set to hire a principal, pretty much had it completely done. They were going to vote on hiring this person as the principal. and. Somebody put the kibosh on that. So we'll talk about that, which is just absolutely crazy. Cock talk this week, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. He has officially put his hat in the ring for the Republican nomination. Ron DeSantis, supposedly, allegedly, is going to be officially entering the race tomorrow evening. We'll talk about that. Kurt Cobain's guitar sold for almost $600,000. AI is coming for all of our jobs. And my top five, this week is top five smells. Can't so, wait. Yeah. All right, so we will just start right off the top. As I mentioned, the legislative session is over, thank God. We are still waiting Governor Reynolds' signature on many of those bills, so we'll still have more news on that as the weeks progress. But I really think the number one thing on the Republicans' agenda for the next legislative session, which they will have a supermajority just like they did this session, there won't be any elections between now and then, will be outlawing abortion. Attorney General Brenna Byrd, she was on Representative Steve King's staff back in the day, which probably tells you just about everything everything you need to know about Brenna Bird. But this is from the latest column from Todd Dorman in the Cedar Rapids Gazette. I recommend people not only this one, but he's a great writer. You should always check out what Todd has in his latest column. But Brenna Bird has joined 21 other attorneys general in filing a friend of the court brief challenging the Food and Drug Administration's approval of the drug Mephepertistone. I'm just butchering that, but it's basically an abortion pill to terminate pregnancies. A federal judge in Amarillo, Texas, who has rendered anti-abortion rulings previously, temporarily suspended approval of the drug, which was found safe and effective 23 years ago. It's been used for 23 years and was approved 23 years ago, and now they're trying to say that it's not safe and effective, which is bullshit. A federal judge in Washington state ordered the FDA to take no action curtailing the drug's availability, so it is still available. Abortion, including the use of drugs to terminate a pregnancy, remains legal in Iowa. Byrd is among state Republican leaders determined to change that. She's not wasting any time. Byrd also added her signature to a letter signed by attorneys general from Missouri and Alabama, warning CVS and Walgreens about possible legal action if the pharmacies send abortion drugs through the mail. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know, it's continuing. It's marching from state to state, uh, more conservative states to, you know, other conservative states. And it's really frightening, the judge in Texas, that he now has more power over drugs than the FDA. So we've got judges deciding what is safe and effective for the American people rather than the FDA, the people that know it, the people that know the science as opposed to the judge with the ideology. Again, taking the experts out of it and making all of those decisions purely based on where you stand politically. Absolutely. Well, which all the, which obviously changes from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. We vote for different people. These are the sorts of things that shouldn't be messed with just by the whim of voters or a federal judge. No, absolutely not. And the power that this judge has. And I mean, there's all kinds of shenanigans behind the scenes where, you know, he authored a piece, you know, when he was in law school talking about it. And then when they were vetting and other kinds of things, and when they were vetting federal judges, there were, he had all kinds of controversial things that he'd written about in the past that he might not have got approved his judgeship. He pulled them out of his resume. And they said in this paper that his name was a placeholder. On an academic paper, there's no names on as placeholders. You don't do that. You're either an author or you're not. And so he lied to get confirmed. Right. And and why, you know, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened to him. Lie after lie after lie by Republican judges and people in the legislature and 
it's all Teflon. It doesn't really matter to the to their constituents, but it matters to all of us. He's not the judge for Republicans. He's the judge for all of us in his district in Texas. So one man who lied to get his seat is now in control of whether or not my girlfriend, your daughter, all of the females that we know in our lives have access to a safe and effective drug, according to the FDA. Absolutely. That's how it is. And not only that, we've discussed several times before about Bird had announced a pause in state payments from a crime victim's compensation fund to reimburse rape victims for the cost of emergency contraceptives and, in rare cases, an abortion. Bird has said little about how long the audit will take. Forever is a good guess, according to Todd Dorman, which is probably true. I don't think that she ever will start paying for these things again. This is a quote from Bird. I don't have any updates right now. Our office has paused payments, reimbursements to abortion providers and providers of Plan B, and we will announce results once that's concluded. And she told that to Iowa News Now just this past week. Not only that, but the total cost of what they're auditing came out to be about $3,000. Yeah. So, I mean, an audit should last a day. Well, so, so it's right. not a, so that's we already know that it is, it's not because oh we need to find out where this money is coming from where this money is going to, it's three thousand dollars. Right. This is not about making sure that we're financially correct. Well, I don't even think it comes from the taxpayer dollar. It comes from fines that that perpetrators pay. I mean, right, and it's yeah the crime victims compensation fund. Right. So yeah, this is not taxpayer supported. So really, she shouldn't have much to say over where the money comes from or goes to in the first place. She should really just be, you mentioned a placeholder. You're just a placeholder. You're just somebody that makes sure that we have enough money and that the money goes to the people that need it, who are victims of violent crime. And often, and this is going to impact and has impacted the poorest women. Yes, exactly. There are the people that need those funds, probably wouldn't be able to get an abortion or plan B pills without those funds. And of course, poor women are more likely to be victims of sexual assault in the first place. So this is, again, one more thing where let's pass the buck on the poorest of the poor and the lowest people in our society, or who they view as the lowest people in our society, I should clarify. Right. And the people you know, on the lower end of the economic ladder. Right. And they have no recourse. I mean, this is the attorney general we're talking about. They, who do they talk to? There's nobody to listen. And she has all the power in the world now, too, because they've stripped Rob Sand of all his power to do any of this auditing. So it's like, who is even doing this work anyway? Nobody. Nobody is. They're not auditing anything. And nobody will be auditing anything. Kim Reynolds and the Republicans will be able to do whatever they want to do. Right. And with legislation recently passed, her department heads no longer have to have any expertise in what they're, you know, what they're administering. Right. Yeah, the Department of Education head is basically just a Republican fundraiser guy who's never taught, never worked in a public school. He's basically just a private school charter guy, and now he's leading our public schools. Yeah. What do you think he's going to do? You think he's going to make the public schools a whole lot better? No, he's going to decide. He's going to be like a venture capitalist to see how they can most effectively dismantle them and to send everybody to the private school, or anybody that can afford it, and anybody that private schools will deem admissible. That's what, you know, that's what will happen. Well, yeah, the private schools don't want the riffraff in their schools, quote-unquote, again, characterizing that from a Republican point of view. That's why they're raising tuition. They want the same kids that they've always had. They just want a little extra money on top. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't hear about any big major building plans, you know, for a lot of these institutions, for any of them, actually. I mean, I think they will be coming, but they will be growing with taxpayer-funded money. Those private schools don't have to take our kids, grandkids, they don't have to take the kids that are problematic. They don't have to take the slow learners. They don't have to take any of the ones from families that are troubled. They just cherry pick who they think is the best. And it's going to it's going to bite them yeah. later on. It's going to bite all of us later on. Well, There's the other, lots of resentment. 
Well, I don't know what the exact number is, but when we talk about private schools, especially in the state of Iowa, we're talking at least 90% of those are Christian schools, correct? Ish? Uh, yeah, I think there's like six or seven that aren't So out of 180 some. Right, so that's also right out the gate, you're not including Muslims or Jews or Hindus. I mean, hey, they're they not going to start their private school. They can start their. Well, I guess school. that might happen. But I mean, that's what but they I'm, would say. But I mean, in a town our size, there's not enough Muslims no. or Jews to have a school. So I'm just saying that's the whole point of having a public school system yeah. where everybody is invited, everybody has a chance to learn. Right. It's the backbone of America, and they're dismantling it. Right. Yeah, and it's. It's set up for disaster. I hope it bites the Republicans in the ass and people vote the other way next time around because they want to reject private school funded by taxpayers. But with the way that the state of Iowa has voted the last few times, I'm not too optimistic necessarily that the state of Iowa will reject Republicans whole cloth. They don't like this. We know that the majority of Iowans don't like this, but they do like a lot of the things that the Republicans are doing. I don't think they know a lot of the things that Republicans are doing. That's You're not going to learn about it listening you know, to Fox News. You're not going to learn about it if you don't have a local paper. You aren't going to be learning about it if you don't subscribe to the, some of the great newspapers that we have in the state. They're subscription base is declining. So, you know, this is the perfect time for the Republicans to act when there's just, you know, low information out there about what they're actually doing and not having press avails. I mean, it's just hiding from the press. And I mean, there's all kinds of, of things that they're doing. So the public doesn't even know how badly they're getting screwed. Not only that, this wasn't on my agenda, but one of the big news stories this week was, I think four different Iowa newspapers are going to scale back how often they actually publish a physical newspaper. I don't want to say the wrong ones, but I think Waterloo, The, the Courier, yeah. maybe, oh, I'm trying to think, maybe Mason City Globe Gazette was one of them. Long story short, that information is out there. If you want to go find it, just Google Iowa newspapers. But again, that's not going to help people stay informed on things that they need to know to be able to vote correctly. And I'm not saying correctly from my point of view, correctly from their point of view, actually having the information they need to know what the person is going to do, who they vote for. Correct. The next thing, and this is sort of along the same lines, we've been talking about how they're just destroying public schools. That's part of the agenda of the Republicans. This is from Ty Rushing, one of the great writers in the state right now. He works at iowastartingline.com. Again, I would highly suggest that you check out iowastartingline.com. And if you want more information about this story, uh, Ty Rushing not only has this story, but is continuing to follow up because they had a school board meeting last night that was just informational. They didn't make any decisions, but let's just get right into it. So this is from Ty Rushing. In April, a month ago, a rural Iowa school district was set to hire Leslie Prowl Osborne as the new principal of its two elementary schools. That was until a local resident who never met Osborne started a Facebook campaign against her. His reason? He thought Osborne would bring a, quote, woke agenda to the community. On April 23rd, Hampton resident Jacob Sweeter, not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, don't care, wrote several Facebook posts outlining his case against Osborne. This was one day before the Hampton-Dumont School District was set to vote on whether or not to hire Osborne as principal of Northside and Southside Elementary Schools during a special meeting. In a since-deleted post, because of course they don't stand up to their bullshit, Sweeter posted the photos, names, and numbers of all five Hampton-Dumont school board members. Publicly available information, it's not like that was hidden. He asked people to call them to ask them to vote no on hiring Osborne. This is a quote from Sweeter. My personal opinion is we don't need this woke agenda in our small community. See previous post for video. So the video in question is called What My Biracial Daughters Taught Me. So Osborne did a 13 minute long video about her personal life, being married to a black man and having biracial children and how that completely changed her opinion on race relations in this country. And that also came out in August of 2020, which was one of the most tumultuous times during the pandemic. George Floyd had just been killed. There was a lot of protests and riots throughout the country. 
So I think this was her way of saying, hey, me as a white person, I have a different perspective. Maybe I'll share this with people. Any of that sound offensive? No, it sounds wonderful. It <laughs> exactly. sounds healing. It sounds like she's willing to learn. It's nice. I like meeting people different from me, different races, different cultures, because all of them can teach me something. If I'm in my white old man bubble, what can I learn? Right. Nothing. I thought that was an act of grace that she gave. And she should be commended, honored, and recognized as being inspirational. But so they don't like that kind of, of message. That's exactly the kind of message that we need in our schools. What he doesn't like is that she's a white woman married to a black man. Right. She doesn't want, he doesn't like biracial kids. He's a racist, he's a sexist, he's an idiot, and he's what's wrong with our society in a microcosm. And that if that school board listens to him, it's the tip of the iceberg that they have I can't imagine them listening to him. They can't listen to him because that's, I mean, the dominoes have already started falling and we all need to stand up to it. Yeah. And, and they need to double down on her and honor her. That's what they need to do. Let's hope they do. Yeah, uh, they have. They canceled that special meeting. So she has, basically, she's just in limbo right now. She currently already works for the school district. So it's not like you're hiring some outsider that isn't in tune with Iowa values. She grew up, born and raised in Iowa, met her husband in Minnesota, and then came back to work. And she's, by all accounts, a rising star in education. And videos like this, by the way, on his post on Facebook, I do want to point out many of the comments were positive towards Osborne, the possible principal, saying things like, I feel she would be amazing for our school district. I talked to her and congratulated her Saturday. She was so excited to get started, and now I feel so terrible for her. I think the kids lose with this as well. Somebody else commented, what about this video is something you would not want your children to be aware of? So at least there are people in that community that are saying, shut up, dude. And woke agenda. Enough. Yeah. Shut up. You don't even know what it means. Right. You're making up what it means anytime you want to score points or make a point. And basically what it is, it's racism. Right. It's them being racist and saying, I don't want fill in the blank, a, a black teacher or a Hispanic teacher or a white teacher that's married to a black man, like you said. Yeah. We've got to make a stand. Yeah, hopefully they do. Like I said, they did have a school board meeting last night. It was just a regularly scheduled board meeting. Sweeter did get up and talk at that board meeting, was not contrite at all. Good. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But as of now, it's in limbo. And she's still, that's the weird thing, too, is if she doesn't get hired as principal, she still works in the district. Well, like, I would imagine she wouldn't work in the district much longer. Right. Or even in the state of Iowa. Exactly. Right. She can go to Minnesota, a, a state that values her. Exactly. And like I said, that's where her husband, I believe, or I know that's where they met. I'm not sure where he's from, but she is familiar with the state of Minnesota. Well, they're recruiting a lot of our good teachers and they're paying them more and they're honoring them and respecting them. Right. So, yeah, that's exactly the case. To Republican listeners right now, yay! One less, you know, yeah. woke teacher or woke administrator to screw up our state. Yeah, well, good luck. Good luck. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, do you really want people that are uneducated around you? Don't you want us to grow and prosper with the best education? And what year is this? How old are you? 69. 69, nice. I mean, this shit happened when you were like five, right? Where it's like... We were coming out of this Where shit. it's like yeah. mongrelization if yeah. you get, you know, interracial marriages and shit like that. Like, laws were just being changed when you were growing up. And that's like, it's 2023, and an educator shares a heartfelt video about how much this recent turmoil with race relations has affected her, her own family. Why would we not want to listen to that? Like that's inform yes, that's informative. And place our kids in front and grandkids in front of wise women and men like that. Right. Let's get into some cock talk, some caucus news. First of all, Tim Scott 
He's a senator from South Carolina, the only black Republican in the U.S. Senate. He announced his run for the Republican presidential nomination officially on Monday morning in North Charleston, South Carolina. The senator who has represented South Carolina in the Senate since 2013 portrays himself as a true conservative with a positive story to tell. Quote, we need a president who persuades not just our friends and our base. We have to have a compassion for people who don't agree with us. We have to believe that our ideas are so strong and so powerful and so persuasive that we can actually take it to the highest points in the world and be successful. But we also have to be able to take it all the way down to places that today are hopeless and prove that who we are works for all Americans. That's an end of the quote. And he'll actually be in Sioux City campaigning on Wednesday, so today, as he visits a Christian school, of course, and has an evening town hall set up for Wednesday evening. Again, that's in Sioux City. I hear he works crowds wonderfully. He's brilliant at it. And like we've discussed several times before on the on the podcast, Nikki Haley, also from South Carolina, former governor of the state, Tim Scott, a senator of the state. South Carolina is third in the primary election season. So it'll probably be pretty interesting. You would imagine that those two would probably be running against each other for the most part. Well, you know, let's just see what happens in Iowa, then there's New Hampshire, then there's South Carolina. And, you know, let's just be honest, they're both running for a VP slot. Right. But let's just say that maybe one of them resonates. Right now it looks like it might be Scott, but we'll see because the, um, Bob Vanderplatz and the Christian right are moving away from Trump. So they've got to decide who they want. And Scott's looking pretty good to them, I would think. And when he starts wowing the crowds in Western Iowa. I was going to say, the fact that he's starting out in Sioux City says a lot yeah. about what he's going for, what lane he's trying to to fill. Right. And it's that evangelical lane that, you know, Mike Huckabee and Ted Cruz took to right. winning the Iowa caucuses. Right. And even Michelle Bachman did really well, right. you know, in 2008 or whatever it was. But yeah, there's certainly space in the state of Iowa for the religious right to back a candidate. And especially, it doesn't seem like Trump is their guy anymore. That might change. And I don't think DeSantis is necessarily going to be their number one choice either. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it, but it's hard to tell. 37 Iowa legislators, Republican legislators, already said that they're for DeSantis, but they've sort of qualified it by saying, oh, you know, they like other people, but, you know, DeSantis looks good right now. But, you know, it's going to be very interesting. And it's going to be different. I think the media environment's going to be different. Um, because I've been to Haley events, I've been to DeSantis event, well, to one event of each, and the crowd loves them. They do just fine. Anything any pundits are saying from the east or west coast about their probability of, of winning or losing is, is irrelevant. Right. It doesn't matter. It, I don't care what the donors are saying. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care he has putting fingers. I don't care that she waffles on things. All that matters is what Iowa Republicans want. And so, you know, I've asked to speak with Haley. They say they're going to, I wrote a piece for Time Magazine about her saying yeah. she had a path. And her campaign reached out and said she will be reaching out to talk with me, which is wonderful because I like to talk to the candidates. DeSantis said no media veils that, I've, that I know in Iowa. And a total contrast, and I think I mentioned this, is I got a phone call last week from Tim Scott yeah. wanting to set something up. So the others are hiding from the media. Tim Scott reached out to me, small town radio guy, to talk. Right. And so that, I think, is key, the media relationships. And I'm just going to say this, too. You know, you know, going back, Hillary Clinton didn't have time for me. Um, John McCain didn't have time for me. In fact, Hillary Clinton, when she came to Knoxville, well, she didn't come to Knoxville. She actually sent Bill. So I was doing news back then. Bill actually did a speech at the Knoxville airport. And she came to Knoxville, too. Okay. And then she went to Oski. All but right. it was, I don't know, I don't remember the timing. But Either way, they were not... They weren't media. I never got a chance to talk to anybody. No, yeah. no. And I got to talk, you know, I spoke with a lot of the Republican candidates. And Barack Obama gave me a half an hour. Right. It was with Kay Anderson and somebody else, but it was like, I said, what? You know, you got media from all over the world. It was the 4th of July, uh, 2007. I said, you got all the media in the world. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder. You want to interview the candidate? Yeah, you're local, right? Yeah. 
And he said, because, I said, why would you want to talk to me, small town guy? You got the New York Times, you got CBS, CNN, MSNBC, you got everybody out there, a crowd of hundreds. We got half an hour. I said, why us? And he said, because today in Pella, Iowa, you are the most important news people in the world. He and got he was it. right. Exactly. Right. So we'll see and if Tim Scott gets it like that. Well, I don't know if many Democrats have followed his lead. I think that was, I mean, that certainly was Hillary's biggest bugaboo is she just wasn't in the state very much, both against Obama and against, you know, the wider field the last time around um, when she was going up against Trump. But I do think that that's something that's missed by both sides, Republicans and Democrats, and it's not just biased because we work for a local radio station, but I think reaching out to local media, I think you get a hell of a lot more bang for your buck than just a five-second soundbite that plays on CNN right. 50 times. Right. People are used to your local media, your, you know, your radio people, your print people. And you're going to ask questions that local people want the answer to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Instead of... Uh, I don't know, I was at a big media scrum once in, in Des Moines where all the Republican candidates were there. And I was wanting to ask questions about agriculture, but I had to fight my way through 30 media. And all they and all they would ask about is Benghazi or yeah. something stupid. Right. Because they, they didn't know what Iowans would want to yeah. know about. Right. But local media do. So speaking of people now entering the race officially, we mentioned Tim Scott from South Carolina, Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, just saw before we started recording this pod, supposedly is going to be reporting, uh, formally entering the race in a Twitter spaces with Elon Musk tonight on Wednesday evening. It's just such a cesspool. I get, I don't understand why anybody would want to, to start their campaign there. It's a big signal. It is. Yeah, because I mean, it's a, it's a repressive, it's, Elon Musk isn't about free speech. Elon Musk is about what Elon Musk wants. He's what about money. Him. Yeah. yeah, he's about money and power. Yeah, power and ego. Yeah. And it's just like, why go there? Why not go anywhere but that? I guess I guess if I knew that, uh, they'd be, you know, I'd be in some political campaign consultant or something. Well, we've also talked previously about how his handlers don't seem like they're doing all that good of a job. They had him staring straight into the sun on a morning broadcast, live, you know, Fox News or CNN, whatever it was. And now this decision, too, it just doesn't seem like it's a very smart, savvy move, especially the fact when you contrast. I mean, you're always going to be comparing and contrasting DeSantis to Trump. Well, Trump was kicked off of Twitter. That's how he really that's one of the main reasons why Trump was elected president was because of his Twitter following. And now you're sort of like piggybacking off the site that kicked him off and doing it with Elon Musk, who bought the site. It just to me pits them together even more than if I were his advisor, than I would want, especially when you're trying to launch a campaign and say you're different from Trump. But here we are on Twitter announcing our campaign. Right. And, and I was reading a, oh, something about the, you know, the most trusted brands in America and Twitter and Tesla have totally fallen off of those lists. Right. And it's just like Elon Musk is dragging. He's dragging Twitter through the dirt. He's dragging Tesla through the dirt. Why does the sand... SpaceX just blew up in the sky, you know? Why does the DeSantis campaign think he will elevate DeSantis when he destroys everything he touches? Well, and the thing is, too, if he's doing it with Elon Musk, does that mean that Elon Musk is gets the honor of doing the first interview of Ron DeSantis? Again, who the hell cares what Elon Musk, what he cares about and what he's going to ask about is going to be right-wing troll crap and his own personal... He gets so many subsidies from the federal government that he has to suck off who's ever president at that time. Yeah. Yeah. The self-made man. Yeah, right. The inventor of the electric car <laughs> who bought a company and supported it and propped it up with our tax dollar. Exactly. Is is this guy that somebody, you know, really thinks is a genius? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it to me. To me, it just seems like they're both full of shit. And it almost seems like it's, uh, it, it seems like it's a troll. Yeah, they're both trolling America. They're just trolling America. Trolling especially you and me, Democrats. Yeah, yeah. But it, Like whatever is going to piss off the Democrats the most, that's what we need to do. Because that's going to rile up our base. Yeah, but they're doing so much now that 
so much that isn't popular. Mm-hmm. You know, abortion. Right. You know, for example, the SNAP stuff isn't popular. There's a lots lots of things that they're doing that isn't popular. Well, now they're taking away. Schools. Well, now they're taking away kids in Florida that are trans from their parents because they classify it as child abuse. Have you seen that? Yeah. You know, no, I hadn't seen. The that. Law just went into effect and it's already starting. That's terrible. It's terrible, and most of the country does not agree with that crap. Do you know how many trans kids I know? Probably six or seven. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. And for them to be separated from their parents, that's an outrage. It is. We would be, you know, if that happened here, I would hope that we would be up in arms protesting. Right. But we're probably too busy watching TV or heads in our phone. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Most of this does, you know, kind of go under the cover of darkness. They don't want people to really understand what's going on behind the scenes. And they try to, you know, cloud things up and muddy things around and just hope to make it to the next election while they're bilking all of us, you know, regular middle class to lower middle class people just to benefit their rich donors. Yeah, siphon all the public money away as fast as they can and create this incredibly poor and desperate lower class of people so that that we have to do their bidding and not, it's just, it's, it's crazy. This is, I would have never believed, this is like science fiction stuff. Right. We're getting to science fiction here in a little bit, by the way. So a decent segue, just a little bit ahead. I want to get to a wider scope first. Uh, trying to ease up on the depressing stuff here in the wider scope. We could certainly talk about more depressing stuff, but in uh, national news, an electric guitar smashed up and signed by the late Nirvana frontman Kurt Cobain has sold for almost 10 times its estimated value. The black left-handed Fender Stratocaster went for $595,000 when it was auctioned at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York City over the weekend. The guitar, which had been reassembled but remains unplayable, so it's not even a working guitar, was originally valued between $60,000 and $80,000. Just one of those things where it's worth whatever somebody's going to pay for it. That's Must have right. been some sort of Nirvana super fan who had deep pockets and said, I don't care. I'm paying however it co- or however much to make sure I own that guitar. I just have to think about all the people that, that all the things that that money could be put to better use. And what do you think Kurt Cobain would think of that? I think he'd think it was bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it was right. stupid. Yeah. He wouldn't like it at all. $600,000 for an unplayable guitar. Yeah. No, stupid. One of those things where it's like, I would love to have it, but I, even if I was rich, I don't think I would pay $600,000 for a guitar. You know? No. no, I don't even want it. You couldn't give it to me. It'd be a... It'd just be one more thing for me to move around right. and clean and dust and, you know. Does, you know, and so, oh, I get to say, I have Kurt Cobain's guitar. Does that put me close to greatness? I don't think so. No. I'm still the same old me. Right. But I guess people think that. It, it's a it's a it's a show of personal power, just like most friends. art. It's yeah. just it's worth what you pay for it, and really, what you're paying for is telling people how much you paid for it. Yeah. You know, I paid a million dollars for this, so that means it's worth a million dollars. Well, maybe, maybe not. That's the other thing too. Whoever bought this, I'm not sure. Maybe they view it as an investment. You know, I paid $600,000 for it and I can put it in a storage shed somewhere and maybe in 10 years, if I need the money, I can sell it for $2 million, you know? Not a problem I'm concerned <laughs> All right, I just thought that was kind of cool. I was a huge Nirvana fan. I still am a huge Nirvana fan, so just thought that was I must cool. admit they were a little bit after my time. Yeah, you were in <laughs> Seattle for a good period of time, but yeah, that was in the 80s, not quite... 78, I started there. Yeah, not quite to when Nirvana started out, like the late 80s, and then blew up in the early to mid-90s. So. Yeah, I remember you know hearing them, but again, after my time. Well, almost, I'm to the point where most things are after my time now. My time. I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm getting there. Um, so, also in a wider scope, just, we were talking about technology. AI is scaring the hell out of me right now. Chad GPT seems to be taking over the world even in industries that you wouldn't necessarily think that it would. I mean, you and I as radio guys, we're not going to be needed in 10 years. Not saying we won't have a job. I'm just saying we will not be needed. 
and I shouldn't even say 10 years, I should say right now there is AI voice tracking. So if radio DJs that are supposed to be live, local, make you laugh, give you some information is just gonna be AI, what will humans be doing? We will be interacting in the ways that we do. There's no way that a computer can interact in the same way to, I don't know what, to, to talk to a, like some of my favorite things, my favorite interviews are with kids. I can get 18 different Melcher Dallas grade school kids telling me what they like to read and, and laughing and is talking about stuff and, and at me asking them questions about why they like this or, you know, why they like to read and where's, you know, and what joy it brings them. There's no way that AI can do that because we have, you have to look at the kids, you have to hear the joy. And it's the same thing with a serious interview. You have to be able to interact and judge the facial expressions, see who's comfortable, ask, you know, who's not comfortable, how to, I mean, one of the, one of the things that I always do is in an interview, I try to go to where the person's is most comfortable mm -hmm. and I make myself small and I say, and I ask a few open-ended questions and say, teach me. Right. And so without the human, a machine can't do that. I hope a machine can't do that. If a machine can do that, it's the end of civilization. Well, honestly, that's what I'm worried about. I'm honestly worried about that. Because if we don't have things that fill our time and give us money, that's the end of civilization, is it not? Right. And even, I mean, we're, we're talking about something. everything. We're talking about doctors. Lawyer, I mean, I just heard an interview not too long ago. Lawyers use chat GPT right now and have said they can basically do my job. Like if you want to, you know, fight a case on your own behalf, don't hire a lawyer. Just ask chat GPT. And I'm serious. This isn't science fiction. This is right but now. It makes mistakes. It lies like humans do. True. And probably less, you would think. I don't know. It's, you know, I ask it questions every once in a while. Um, my wife Annie's in real estate and I was trying I was trying to see how this how it might be able to help real estate agents. Like it's helped our sales guys right. write better ads. No, that's the thing. I'm not yeah, it it is a good tool, but I'm just afraid that it will eventually not that we will become the tools. Right, and it will get more accurate, but I mean, I had him write something about, is Ankeny a good community to live, or do a real estate ad thing for that? And, you know, it came up with, you know, some pretty predictable stuff about Ankeny, but then, you know, it talked about it being a agrarian community from the beginning, when, and then, you know, that was growing corn and soybeans 100 years ago. Nobody was growing soybeans 100 <laughs> years ago. Right. I mean. So it's just inaccurate. But again, that's just going to get better and better by the minute. Yeah, true. So, like I said before we even got on, it's, it seems like one of those things where it happens slowly, drip by drip, and then all at once. My biggest fear isn't AI per se. My biggest fear is the bad actors influencing the content. Sure. The Steve Bannons, the Sebastian Gorkas, the Tucker Carlsons, the Sean Hannity's, the people that are behind the destruction of our political, the attempted destruction of our political realm, they'll be the the voices that the AI captures. Right. That's my big fear. Yeah, I mean, it's a tool just like anything else. A hammer can be a good tool, it can also be a very destructive tool. And you know that there's Russian trolls out there influencing AI right now. Exactly. And one of the reasons why I bring this up is because I had just recently done my top five Iowan athletes. And KCCI, probably the biggest news organization in the state of Iowa, the richest, probably has the most resources, most staff, actually published a post titled, These are the top 10 athletes of all time with Iowa ties, according to ChatGPT. Okay. Do you want to hear their top 10? Absolutely. Okay. And this is Iowa ties. Mine was a little bit different because mine were Iowan athletes. So they had to be born and raised or born or raised in Iowa. Number 10 was Chuck Long. Again, this is according to ChatGPT. Chuck Long, University of Iowa yeah. quarterback, second in the Heisman voting. B.J. Armstrong, Iowa basketball player, Chicago Bull. Fred Hoiberg, Iowa State basketball player, 
and a good NBA pro. Zach Johnson, of course, the Masters champion in golf. Jason Momoa, which I don't exactly know why he was on this list. I guess he was a former college football player at the University of Hawaii. But he's not known for his athletic accomplishments. He's he's Aquaman. He's Aquaman. Exactly. Aquaman so, is tougher than all of those. So other I'm people. just saying that to me, that just points out how Chat GPT right. is not That's quite wrong. good enough yet. And then number five, Tom Brands. Number four, Lolo Jones. Number three, Dan Gable. Number two, Kurt Warner. And number one was Niall Kinnick. So I was actually not too far off. It didn't have Bob Feller on this list at all. Uh, but my top five was Ricky Davis. Number four was Niall Kinnick. Number three was Bob Feller. Number two was Caitlin Clark. And number one was Dan Gable. And, I mean, several of the names on this list, I mean, we ta- even though it wasn't in my top five, we talked about Zach Johnson. Uh, we had brought up Sean Johnson, which also is not on this list, surprisingly enough. I was surprised that Lolo Jones was in the top five. She's an Olympic athlete, but she didn't always do all that well. Right. No. I don't, I don't know. It's a good list. It's a good start, but your list is better. Well, yeah, I think so, too. Thank you very much. But it's still scary because it's like if they hadn't said these are the top 10 Iowa athletes or Iowa athlete or athletes with Iowa ties, according to chat GPT, if they would left out, according to chat GPT, who's to know where it came from? Right. I'm and you know there's already a lot of news sources that are completely written by AI. And it doesn't say that. In fact, it probably has some sort of name attached to it. You know, this I've was written tried by Steve it. Martin or whatever. I tried to do it. And it's not doing it. I mean, I've, I've tried to write news stories about events with ChatGPT and it can't right. do it very well. I mean, maybe somebody that knows how to do it better than I, but the stuff it generates for me isn't good enough. Right. But, I mean, I see ads all the time, whether it's, you know, Google ads or scrolling through Facebook or Twitter. They're always advertising, hey, make your website, you know, more efficient and yada, yada, yada. Use our AI tools to write articles. What's amazing to me is just the explosion of it. That's the thing. It just happened, like, and I, I feel like we've just started the drip, drip, drip. And eventually it is going to get to the point where we don't have jobs anymore. Because well, you think the rich people, you think the CEOs, all the corporations are going to just say, well, we need to do this for the good of, a, of the country. No, we need to make yeah, sure that we employ people. But what it's like in evolutionary sense, it's just like everywhere. It's everywhere. All these news articles about it, all the different ones, all the different places it's popping up, doing different things. It's just evolutionarily, it's, there's, well, there's other things like it, but it's like the... The Precambrian explosion of life on Earth just boom! All of this diversity of life that just came out of near nothing at the beginning of you know the Cambrian. It's just fascinating. It is scary, but fascinating. Uh, let's move on to our what's good segment. It's my birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Thank you. I didn't get on Facebook, so. Well, it's actually Wednesday. So we're recording on Tuesday, but today, as people are listening, it's my birthday, so I will accept all happy birthdays if you find me on Facebook or Twitter. Thank you very much. I don't want to hear you sing. But that is a little bit of good news. Then also, two of my favorite TV shows have new seasons coming up. Always Sunny in Philadelphia will premiere on FX in June, and What We Do in the Shadows is also on FX, and it will premiere in July. And you've probably never seen either one of those. Have you even heard of either one of those? No. Damn it, Dr. Bob. (laughs) I'm busy. I've got stuff to do. But I'm not going to sit around and watch TV. I mean, it's just like, you know, maybe for a half an hour or something. These are half hour long shows. Well, I've got to go. Well, first, I've (laughs) got to go find out where they are. I've got to use the remote. You know, it's just like. The clicker. Yeah, the clicker. (laughs) And I've I've got to sort through all that stuff. And by the time I get there, the half an hour is gone. It's just, I've tried the voice command and. It doesn't work. It sends, it sends me, you know, to places I don't care about. I couldn't even, you know, this is how sad I am. I couldn't even find the, I started looking for the Kentucky Derby a half an hour before the Kentucky Derby, and I never got to the Kentucky <laughs> Derby. That's how sad Oh, it is. man. And that's just on NBC. Well, I couldn't find it. <laughs> and I'm no dummy. No. But it's just, You're it's a polymath. Fun. You've written books, yeah. plays. Yeah, but 
for some can't figure out some, where the Kentucky Derby is though. No, I can't. Well, at least that makes me feel. I'm not very patient. I can find the Derby for God's sakes. Well, I, I, you know, I can play the Kentucky Derby, and they gave me all these horse movies. <laughs> yeah, right. Any other good news? Any other? Because we're yeah, just about out of time. Hard to believe. Well, good news. There's lots of good news. I think. Um, the communities around us are growing and prospering. I think there's a lot of good things going on. Um, I think there's a lot of good people. And um, I think we need to find the wonder of our world and the joy in our world and, and, and find that and, and cuddle it and nurture it. Because it's really there. And we don't have to look very hard or far as long as we decide that we're going to look for it. And I find, you know, for me personally, I find so much joy and healing in my hour-long walks I take every morning in the woods. Yeah. And just, that is just, if I could do that all day, I mean, I'd be tired, but <laughs> I'd be joyful. Uh, We've got to find that. Everybody find that joy. Well said. We'd be a lot better off if everybody was able to do that. Uh, we're ready for my top five, top five smells this week. Uh, let's just get it going. At number five, top five smells, bacon cooking. It's good. It's hard to top, but I topped it four different times. Number four is freshly cut grass. Nice. It's a good smell. Also, just the accomplishment when you've done it, because mowing the lawn, I know you've got a huge lawn, so I'm sure it's even more laborious for you takes me about 45 minutes with a push mower to mow my lawn, so not too bad, but it's, you know, it's a decent amount of time. But just when you're done and you can kind of survey the land, get that fresh green smell, it's just a, a, a really great feeling. Yeah, and you feel like you're the master of right. your domain. Yes. Uh, number three is the smell of gasoline. It's pretty good. It was better before all the leaded stuff got in it. It was better when I was a kid. It was better back in the old days. Back in the old days. Yeah, I'm 40 years old today. So I can, wow. can, can I officially now say back in the old days now that, I, now that I'm 40 years old? You can do whatever you want. Am I part of the like old guys club now? Not yet. Okay. How, like 50, 60? Uh, when 60. do you invite me to the like the morning coffee times? It's not going to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, speaking of coffee, number two, coffee yeah, brewing. That's good. Great smell. Coffee roasting, too. Uh, yeah. Just coffee in general. But yeah, coffee brewing, coffee roasting. Just walking into a coffee shop has a great smell. Uh, and my number one smell, a freshly sharpened pencil. That's a good smell. Yeah, it's a good smell. The How's that for top five? Is that a good... It needs to be the old-fashioned pencil sharpener. Yes, mechanical, yes, yes, the mechanical electric sharpener doesn't have the same smell. No. Well, probably does, but I think the the sensory part of sharpening, turning your hand, and feeling it. Feel. I think everybody listening right now is having that same flashback of yeah, elementary school, getting up, sharpening your pencil, giving a little quick whiff before you head to your seat. I've got better smells. Let's hear them. A baby. It's always good. Yeah, yeah. just a baby. The smell of a baby. Yeah. If they get if they giggle, it's even better. <laughs> so baby baking bread, yeah, baking anything, yeah, yeah, good. like baking chocolate chip cookies yeah. or cake, yeah, baking all that good, good smells, flowers, excellent. In fact, our lilac is like full bloom right now, and it's really beefy this year. So of course, well today it's a little bit warmer, but we've had our windows open, and the house just smells like straight lilacs, and it's just lovely. I love to put my face into the lilac and smell and inhale and feel it until I can smell no more. Yeah. I mean, it just, you get used to it. Right. You yeah, exactly. nose blind. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, 2020, year of COVID, when we were staying home, I, you know, I had my path trying to stay at home, no lilacs at home. But then I realized that I hadn't smelled a lilac that spring. And so I drove around searching for lilac and went up into a random yard and snuck up to it in it and put my face in, hoping no one would shoot me. <laughs> Shot to death for trespassing to smell Smelled lilacs. Smell lilacs, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so your nose was that 
non-blind. It was literally like a cartoon character, like Pepe Le Pew, yeah. smelling some perfume, yeah. just finding out where it came from. Yeah, oh, that was me. <laughs> All over that lilac. Uh, any other good smells? Oh, boy. Baseball glove is a good smell, like leather, you mm -hmm. know, just that leathery, like football or baseball mitt. That first grape hyacinth that pops out of the ground and you have to get down on your hands and knees to smell is one of the best smells, too. I don't know. The flowers are, flowers are good. The smell of someone you love is good. Yeah, it is. doesn't get any better than that. No, that's a good place to end it. The smell of someone you love is certainly all of our number one top five favorite smells. Next week is top five stand-up comedians. We'll see how we either... Compare or contrast on top five. I think we'll probably have a fairly similar top five, to be honest. We'll see. Okay. My, some of mine were dead before you were born. Some of mine were dead before I was born. That could be the case, but yeah, I mean, some of mine are, are no longer with us, so yeah, we'll see. Nice tease. Good learning, <laughs> Dr. Bob. Well done. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Iowa Revolution podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. We're at Iowa Revolution. You can email us, iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. Dr. Bob Leonard is also part of the Iowa Writers Collaborative. Make sure you search out his Deep Midwest Substack. You can just Google Robert Leonard Deep Midwest, and you can find it there. And Dr. Bob, you're also working on other stuff too. You mentioned that your walks in your in the woods, so you've got like sounds and pictures and stuff too. Yeah. You start another Substack too, which is really cool. So subscribe to that and look forward to getting that in my email too. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun and pulling together the sounds and the video and uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, you know, like that's what we do, right? Yeah, just Pulling creative. Together. Yeah, just go out and do it, right? So yeah, make sure you check him out. And again, we're part of the Iowa Podcasters Collaborative. So make sure you follow all of the people that are trying to build this thing up as well. And hopefully we can turn Iowa blue sooner rather than later. Dr. Bob, can't wait to see you next week. Likewise.